Okay, good morning, Boker Tov. This uh, week we have the privilege of studying Parshas uh, Re'ei. Just uh, a housekeeping note, there's no class next week. I'm actually going to Israel for a couple of days. So uh, so there is no shear next week. Parshas Re'ei, page 998 in the stone, the art scroll stone Chumash. Uh, as always, we begin with our overview, and then we will uh, investigate and dissect our psukim. So Parshas Re'ei... Uh, picks off where last week's Parsha left off. Again, we're continuing. This is all part of Marsh, Moshe's monologue. This is all part of Moshe's great speech that he gives the Jewish people on the cusp of their entering the land. The greatest uh, Moshe Sefer that was ever written is Sefer Devarim of our Holy Chumash. Here we have the origin of the notion of free will. Moshe, quoting Hashem, says, I place before you the concept of bracha and klal, this blessing and this curses in life. It's up to us, the choices that we make. When we express our free will, we will either choose blessing or we will be the conduit of curse. And what's the bracha? The Torah associates that bracha and klala are directly uh, correlate with the uh, degree to which we answer or are responsive to the will of Hashem. We spoke about this uh, in last week's Parsha class. Relationships are made up of caring about the other party's needs and interests. Relationships are made up the akev tishmaun, the akev, the relationship are made up of the small things. So here too, it's a continuation of this theme of accountability and consequences. That if you, uh, if the result of a virtuous life, the result of a Torah values driven life is bracha. And the result of, of not having that is very much klolo. Does that mean that people who don't have Torah can't be happy? Does that mean that everybody who observes Torah is happy? Of course that's not what it means. But what it means is that Torah gives us the tools to address whatever we confront in our life. So whatever challenges a person has, from illness to infertility to financial challenges, if one has Torah, they have the capacity, the tools to be able to address it. The tools to be able to address it. And therefore it becomes a bracha. It's a life of bracha. We all know people who have nothing but who are happy, who see great bracha, and people who seem to have everything... And uh, in the end, the truth is they have nothing. So, um, so im tishmu and in lo tishmu is the source of the bracha and the klala. The Torah then tells us that when we come to the land, this is the much more technical part of the bracha uklala. When we enter the land, har grizim and har eval, these two mountains, uh, we know that the um, people stood six tribes on one and on the other. And the Levim stood in the middle and they would read out the brachas and the klalos and the people would respond and they would acknowledge that they, uh, that they understood. The uh, Parsha then goes on and talks about the sanctity of the uh, land, Parakid Bays. These are the laws that when we enter the land. And now a very uh, uh, theme of the Parsha that's going to come on is the integrity of the land of Israel. The land of Israel is a place that needs to be pure. It's the most spiritual place. We studied this a few weeks ago on Shabbos when we talked about the singularity of the land of Israel and why it couldn't be Uganda and why it couldn't be anywhere else. The land of Israel, both the earth, the soil, is rich with spirituality. You have mitzvot, hatzluyos, baaretz. It's the only place in the world where you have mitzvot that depend on the physical earth. The earth itself is a conduit of mitzvot. And secondly, you have uh, the air itself. We read the words of the Rav of Rabbi Salavechik, who described that the, uh, the air, the atmosphere of Israel is spiritual. That's why Nevuah, prophecy, is only in the land of Israel. So the land of Israel is a special place of, of a special spiritual integrity. It cannot be compromised. It can't tolerate 
And therefore, the, the Torah uses the language that if there's corruption, if there's idolatry, the land literally vomits out its inhabitants. The land is incapable of tolerating, it purges out its inhabitants. So here we have the Torah telling us the, uh, the sanctity of the land. And we have an obligation to destroy the places in which idolatry took place. How we apply these halachas in modern uh, state of Israel is an uh, interesting discussion. But there is a, uh, an obligation that... Uh, whether it's their altars or whether it is their or whether it is their uh, their trees um, the different places of their worship we have to purge it and one of the lessons of the Torah that we see not only throughout our Parsha throughout Chumash but a theme that's pervasive throughout Nach is the uh, notion of the need to absolutely purge the foreign influence the presence of foreign influence, the contamination of the foreign influence at all, is like a cancer. It grows and metastasizes. And so we think we can tolerate a little bit. And we're showing kindness and compassion to the little bit of corruption that we allow in our midst. But that foreign influence metastasizes and it grows until it compromises the very integrity of our people. And that's what happens from, from the very beginning, from when Shaul is able to get rid of Amalek, when the Jewish people fail to purge the Canaanite nations. And uh, all throughout Tanakh, they keep revisiting, they keep being seduced by the allure of the, the foreign influences of their contemporary society because they uh, failed to actually purge it. They failed to, to get rid of it and to create a pure and pristine Torah environment, which is, what the, which is what the Torah prescribed. Again, I'm not speaking about religious coercion here. I'm not speaking about application. There's a big controversy in Israel about this intermarriage between a Jew and a Muslim and the big... Uh, uh, if you saw the big demonstrations that took place, all of this happened the last night, two nights ago. I'm not talking about religi- religious coercion in modern day. I'm talking about what was the Torah's vision, that when the Jewish people, now a, a, a sacred people endowed with a sacred Torah, were going to enter a sacred land, God's design, God's vision was that they would purge the land of what was, and that the combination, this trifold combination of Am Yisrael, Eretz Yisrael, and Torah Yisrael would become a microcosm, a model of what the world could be. That if you get rid of these foreign influences and you built a society that was regulated by Torah values and uh, that was elevated by Torah values, it would be a model to influence the world. And in order to fulfill that vision, one would have to create a pure society built on those values. The presence of any foreign influence was so seductive that it would, as I said, metastasize and grow. And that's what the Torah is warning against. And that's what we, in fact, as I said, see all throughout Nach is the failure to, uh, to fulfill that mission comes back to haunt us time and again. Part of the prohibition here is um, Torah tells us next in our parsha, you're not allowed to have private altars. We know that until there was a Mishkan, until there was a Beis Mikdash, there was permission to have private altars, one could bring sacrifices, and that's the access to meat. Meat originally was permissible through the process of sacrifice. But uh, there was a prohibition when entering the land, and there was a centralized place of worship that people could not have private altars. You couldn't have a, you could have a barbecue, you couldn't have an altar. You're not allowed to uh, have private altars. With those who learned... Uh, the Gemara Megillah, Dafyomi recently, the Bama Gidol, Bama the different uh, periods of the Bamos uh, covered, this, uh, covered this subject. Um, the Torah then tells us the permission to eat meat, which was not always allowed. The permission to eat meat 
was of the of the sacrifices I said. Rak becholavas nafshecha tizbach v'yachalta basar kibirkas Hashem lokach Hashem lach nasam lach bechol sharecha tamei v'tor yachlenu katzvi v'cha'ayel. That in the midbar, a person who had wanted to eat meat, the only way you had access to meat through the travel in the midbar was, as we said, through a korban, through a korban shlamim, which even those who bring are evil, as opposed to an olo, which is entirely consumed on the mizbeach. A korban shlamim is consumed by the bailam, and those with whom he is willing to share is consumed by the owner. So therefore, if a person wanted a good piece of flesh, he wanted a good steak, you didn't make a barbecue in your backyard, you had to bring a korban. It was only through a korban that you got access. Once they entered the land, the Torah said, you are allowed to shecht an animal whenever you want. The permission, the permissiveness of meat was not the result of sacrifices, but one who wanted to eat meat was allowed to, assuming the, the rules of uh, shechita and so on were, uh, were followed. However, we're cautioned, you're not allowed to drink blood. You have to pour it out. The mitzvah of the mitzvah of kisui hadam. The Torah delineates this prohibition of drinking blood many times. From which our rabbis learn, if when it comes to something so disgusting, Torah has to warn us many times. Then imagine that which is not disgusting, which is tempting to us. All the more so, we have to be vigilant and we have to be careful to avoid. Um, okay. Torah continues by telling us that the uh, sacred food, consecrated food. Uh, can only be eaten in Yerushalayim, not outside of Yerushalayim. A person has to be careful. Um, permission to eat unconsecrated meat. General rules of observance. And then uh, page 1006, Shlishi, the third Aliyah. Again, Torah emphasizes, you cannot follow in the ways, don't follow in the idolatry, don't follow in the ritual and ceremony of the uh, foreign nations of the idolatry who are living in the land. And now the Torah next, Parakid Gimel, we're going to examine this a little bit more closely. The Torah delineates three sources of um, outside influence, three sources of corruption within our midst. The first is the false prophet, the Navi Sheker. The second is the Mesis Umediach, even within our family, within our home, within our community, the one who tries to tempt us and seduce us towards idolatry. And the third is the Irnidachas. The third is a wayward city, an entire city that became corrupt. These are three separate foreign influences. The Navi Sheker, who appears and says, I am a prophet. But we know that categorically any prophet who tries to allure us to, tries to, allure us to follow idolatry is by definition a false prophet. So the first is the false prophet. Second, as we said, is the Messias Umeidiach, is the one who entices people. You know, everybody's doing it, you've got to try it. And the third is the Yirmidachas. The Avne Ezel actually says, the Avne Ezel rather says, that these three uh, examples that the Torah brings in our Parsha find expression in contemporary society. We too remain vulnerable. Even though we think idolatry, yeah, it doesn't apply to us. Who worships idols? We've got all kinds of challenges in our society. But idolatry, we would say, is not one of them. But the truth is, idolatry is one of them. We do worship the mighty dollar, and we worship celebrities, and we worship status, and we worship power, and we worship materialism, and we worship all kinds of other things. We maybe don't bow down and prostrate ourselves to a etched stone the way they did then, but, uh, which the Gemara records, we would, had we lived then, we would lift says we'd lift the hem of our pants, of our skirt, and chase after it. It was so seductive. Uh, we don't worship in the same way, but we too have all kinds of um, foreign values that try to creep into our priorities, such that, we, uh, such that we're worshiping the wrong things. 
So the Yavna Ezel says, the Navi Sheker finds expression in contemporary society, the false prophet, so the one who produces signs and wonders. So in contemporary society, this is the convincing charismatic leader that tries to seduce people to be filled with meaning and happiness and, uh, and uh, only to give them, but, but really they're pursuing and chasing something which is false. And we have that today, charismatic leaders that rise and we only learn later that they themselves are corrupt, they themselves are hollow, they themselves are empty inside. Maybe they knew how to use their words, maybe they were convincing in the way they spoke, they tried to get us to follow whatever it is that they were arguing, and only, uh, only later do we realize that this was false. You know, the spokespeople of, of socialism and communism and thisism and thatism, many of these spokespeople are like a Navi Sheker. They get up and they rise and they're articulate and they're eloquent and they speak about a vision, they speak about a future, they speak about a new world order. But the truth is it's hollow. That in contemporary society is our Navi Sheker. The Ran, in his drushes, writes something incredible. It says, you know why HaKadosh Baruch made Moshe have a speech impediment? Why did Moshe have a problem speaking? He had a speech impediment. He wasn't eloquent. Says the Ran, because when Moshe was the conduit through which we delivered the Torah, lest any later generation, lest that generation itself say, we were taken, we were smitten by a charismatic leader who had a golden tongue, who was able to convince us, who was so eloquent, he was able to move us. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I want it to be about the substance, the content of my Torah, not the spokesperson, not the motivational speaker who was able to wow you. So how did Hashem give us the Torah? Through somebody with a speech impediment. And therefore it's true, it's the, it's the content, it's not the person who delivered it. So first you have the Navi Sheker, and the Navi Sheker said, Avni Nezal, Ezel is the example of the of the, the um, charismatic leader in modern society. The second, we'll see in a moment, is the Mesis Umeidiyach. The Mesis Umeidiyach, which the Torah goes on, we're going to study this section uh, in depth. So who's the one who tries to seduce you, tries to lure you away? Your brother, from your mother, son, daughter. This is Re'echa. We're talking about those who are closest to you. So who is this in modern society? So in modern terms, this might be what we call peer pressure. We have all kinds of peer pressure, which is unbelievably powerful, which gets us to do so many uh, even self-destructive behaviors. Peer pressure, which clouds our judgment, and peer pressure, which leads us astray. This is the Mesis Medir. And thirdly, the final influence the Torah talks about is the Ir Nidachas, the wayward city of a city that's defined its character is the worship of idolatry, and the Torah tells us the entire city needs to be wiped out. What's the examples that Avna Ezel says? In modern society, the Ir Nidachas is what we call the street, the influences of the street. Society and its views on religion and philosophy and modesty, that's the Ir Nidachas, that's the views of the street that seduce us. So we think these sections may not be relevant to us. Ah, who worships idols? Ah, who heard of an Ir Nidachas, a Navi Sheker? Who heard of a Mesis and Mediach? But the truth is that these things are really all around us. And not only are they all around us, but they're very powerful warnings. We'll come back in a moment and see what Torah has in order, to, in order to avoid them. The section after that is Hashem reminding us that we are an Am Segula, we're a treasured people. Banim Atem Hashem Elokeichem. We are Hashem's children. And because we're Hashem's children, Am Kadoshata, we're a holy people. We have a singular, unique relationship with the Almighty. Hashem chose us. Again, not to suggest that we are superior. His having chose us means chosen chosenness, exceptionalism, 
means that we have an obligation to be more exceptional. We were chosen to be a greater example. It's a burden. It's an obligation. It's a responsibility. It's not only a privilege. And then now we have the Torah telling us the result of what it means to be the Banim Atem Lashem Elkeichem. What does it mean to live in a higher plane? What does it mean to live in a more transcendental state? It means to be disciplined. So the Torah then goes on and tells us what's the greatest expression of discipline? The mitzvah of kashras, being careful what we eat. When a person has the mindfulness to be aware and cognizant of every morsel of food they put in their mouth, those halachas of kashras, permissible food and forbidden food, it elevates the soul and it helps us achieve our goal of being an Am Kadosh. Ma'achalas asuros are one of the methods achieve Kedusha. The Rambam has Hilchas Ma'achalas asuros in his volume called Kedusha because that's how one becomes holy, through the mundane. When you elevate the act of eating, that's holiness. So if we are to fulfill the mandate of Banim Atem, if we're to fulfill the mandate of being children to Hashem, of being an Am Kadosh, of being an Am Segula, then we have to live that higher level of discipline. We have to have the capacity to guard what comes in our mouth and what comes out of our mouth, to guard what we look at, what we say, to guard what we listen to, to guard what we do, and so on. That level, that higher level of mindfulness is, uh, is what it means to be an Am Kadosh. We have the halachas then of Aser Taser, of the Meiser, of the uh, tithing, giving to the Levi. And then we have uh, Shemitah, Zedvar Shemitah Shamot, the obligation that uh, next year is a Shemitah year. So this is very relevant to us. But the obligation that loans are cancelled, Shemitah cancels, uh, cancels loans. Is it Shemitah that automatically cancels loans? Does the Malv have to cancel loans? It's a big Hakira among the Rishonim. But, uh, but loans are supposed to be cancelled for Shemitah. And then the Torah tells us that we should be uh, generous. What does it mean to be an Am Kadosh? It means to be sensitive. It means to be caring. It means that when they are underprivileged, when there are those who need, not to oppress them, but rather to be generous and gracious to them. And then the Parsha ends with the uh, Moados, with the three Regalim. Our Parsha ends by reminding us of the Jewish calendar and the different uh, holy dates on the Jewish calendar. Okay, let's go back. What I want to study in depth is Perak Yigimel Pasuk Zion. Perak Yigimel Pasuk Zion, page 1008. Why are we start, starting here? It's the middle of the Perak, Pasuk Zion. So again, as I've shared with you many times, the chapters were, were uh, the non-Jewish publishers are the ones who organize the chapter breaks. We know the sections of the Torah are delineated not by the numbered chapters, but rather by the spacing. The psuchos and stumos, with the spacing. So you see the Zion, if you look in the uh, stone edition of the Chumash, you'll see a space there, and that is a stuma that indicates uh, that space, that it's a new section. And the section we're going to study is not the Navi Sheker, I told you about the Navi Sheker, but it's the second, and that is the Mesis Umediach, and we're going to predominantly study the opinion of the Orachayim. The Orachayim HaKadosh of Chaim Ben Atar has a fantastic interpretation of this entire section. Yes, Molly. Uh, it's a good question you're asking. In other words, if you take the metaphor all the way through, that you say that today's modern street, the influence of the street is our inyadachas, how does one fulfill the Torah mandate to destroy it? So please, uh, to be clear, I'm not suggesting uh, 
I'm not suggesting anything practical. Um, I do think there's an answer which may, we'll touch on it with the Mesa Zimediach, whom we also have an obligation to kill. So who's the Mesa Zimediach in our lives today? If we said it's peer pressure, again, I'm not suggesting you kill the person who's talking in shul near you. And, chas uh, v'shalom. Um, but uh, we'll see the Orachayim's interpretation, and we'll see a very uh, important interpretation for us today. Pasuk Zayin, Perak Gimel, chapter 13, Pasuk Zayin. Ki yisischa achicha ben imecha, if your uh, brother, who is the son of your mother, in other words, you share the same mother, even if it's not sharing the same father, if he tries to um, seduce you, lure you, ovincha, ovitcha, your son or your daughter, oeshes chekecha, or your, your wife, your wife from whom you're, you, you share a closeness, an intimacy, a bond, oreecha, asher kenafshecha, or your, your friend who is like your, your soulmate, talking about a, a truly uh, close friend, all of these people, your friend who's like your, your, your did nefesh. So if they entice you, besayser, privately lay more, saying, Come with me. I have this incredible, uh, we got to have this experience. You got to read this thing. You got to watch this thing. You got to listen to this thing. It's unbelievable. Your father never heard it. You never heard it before. This whole new philosophy, this whole new way of life, this whole new attitude. Or he tells you, he says, from the gods of the people that are around you, those near, those far, from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth, you've got to come with me, check this out. It's unbelievable. What should your reaction be? Lo sovelo. Torah can't come up with more synonyms to say. Do not embrace, right? Don't embrace him. Don't listen to him. Don't take pity on him. Don't be compassionate to him. Don't hide him or conceal him. What should you do? What does it mean, don't hide him or conceal him? You know, you might want to, he's your friend. He's your son or daughter. This is someone very close to you. You might want to say, look, don't talk like that. Don't let anyone here talk like that. Don't let anyone hear you. You're going to get in big trouble if you talk like that. You're, you're, you're off the derech. You're breaching the community. That's foreign. Don't let anyone hear that. Torah's warning you, don't do that. If he's a bad influence, if she's a bad influence, don't take pity on them, because pity on them, compassion to them, is cruelty to everyone else. What should you do? There, it's a capital crime, the deserving of being killed. You should be the one to kill them. You should begin the capital punishment, and the people will join in. How do you kill them? The death penalty is with stoning. And why are they deserving of capital punishment? Why is the Mesa's and Mediach deserving of being stoned? Because he tried to lure you away from Hashem, who took you out of Egypt, from a house of bondage. And everyone will hear and see. And they will no longer behave this way. They will see that it's intolerable, that it's unacceptable. That somebody coming and being a Mesus and Mediach is just not a viable option in the Jewish people. So such harsh measures are undertaken in order to create a precedent to make sure that nobody else is tempted to follow in this way. Okay, those are the Psukim. Let's go back now and investigate. Let's go back now and understand. Says Rashi, Ki Sischa, Ein Hasasa Elagiroi, Shinemar, Im Hashem Bi, Shemasio Lasos Kain. You're being dragged. Kiyasischa means to be dragged. 
You're being dragged towards something, right? And that is, in fact, that's peer pressure. You're being compelled. Come on, you got to try this. Everybody's doing it. Just have a little drink. Just take a little smoke. Just read a little bit. Just come in, we'll go in for a few minutes. Just look a li- Just watch a little bit with me. That's the peer pressure. You're dragged. It's a sense of being dragged into a certain behavior. Could be from your father, or it could be from your mother. There's even a closer re- relationship. Says the Ibn Ezra, Ben Imecha. Why the Torah delineates Achicha Ben Imecha, your brother from your mother? You shared the same womb. You shared the same womb. Your mother is the strongest uh, genetic influence. That womb was the incubator. So you're going to have pity. You're going to be vulnerable to the influence of the person with whom you shared the same womb. That's why the Ibn Ezra says, the Torah cautions, Ben Imecha, of your, of your mother. Rashi continues, who is Eishes Chekecha? Hashocheves Bechekecha. Umechuka Bacha. What is it? Chekecha means in your, in, your, in your lap, in your bosom. You, you, you share an intimacy, you share a closeness. Asher Kenaf Shecha. And your Re'ech Asher Kenaf Shecha. Who is your friend who's like your soul? Says Rashi, Zavicha. Peshlach Akasab is Chavivin Lach. Kavachomel Achirim. And this is not just a friend, it means a close friend, it means your father. That's a friend who is like your soul. Your father. And Rashi says, If it's true that you're vulnerable to those closest to you, so you're vulnerable to others as well. Beseser, says Rashi, where, where does the individual, they don't do this publicly. The person is trying to pressure you to experiment. Person is trying to pressure you to experience something new. They don't do so publicly. They do so privately. Beseser, and they say, "Come, let's go worship Atava We're going to worship other gods that neither you nor your parents knew. Rashi quotes the Sifri. That how, uh, how lowly of you. Other peoples don't abandon their parents' tradition. And you're prepared to abandon the tradition of your parents in order to experiment with something new? Tradition. Tradition is very powerful. The fact that you're a link in the chain, that we descend from a legacy that observed in a certain way. It's degrading. It's insulting. It would be lowly. Hakrovim elecha urichokim says Rashi. We're just going through all the Rashi's first. Lama part krovim urichokim. Why does the Mesus Mediach say uh, the influences that are close, the influences that are far away? Why does the Torah say it? Elakach Amar Akasev. Mitivan shal krovim atalomeid mativan shal rechokim. Keshem she'ain mamish bekrovim kach ain mamish berechokim. Says you know there's a phenomenon that exists that the further something is away from us, we always have this. Um, Vision of it, this this fantasized vision of it as being so great, right? What, what do we say? The grass is always greener on the other side. The rechokim on the other side. That which I'm familiar with, ah, eh, what I'm unfamiliar with, what's mysterious to me, what I don't have experience with, that's what's tempting. That's what I am tempted to pursue and to think is even greater. So Rashi says the Torah tells us krovim rechokim to say, you know the false idols that are krovim, you know the 
the uh, hollowness, the emptiness of that which you are familiar with. So don't think that that which you're not familiar with is going to be more authentic. It too is hollow. Just like that which you're familiar with, you've rejected. So to the Rechokim, those things that you're tempted to think is greener on the other side, know that they're hollow at their core as well. Continues Rashi. What's our response, our reaction? It's Mesis and Mediach who tries to lure us in. Come on, experiment, try just a little bit. Everyone's doing it. What do we respond? Lo savelo. Rashi tells us, Pasuk test, lo savelo. Lo tehei toev lo. Lo ta'avenu. You don't love him. This person is not deserving of your love. Now remember, who is this person? Your son, your daughter, your spouse, your best friend, your father. And yet, they're undeserving of your love if they're going to be a source of negative influence, if they're going to lead you astray. Self-preservation is the highest order. Would you love your father if he put a gun to your head and was trying to kill you, or would you act in self-defense? So somebody who's putting a spiritual gun to your head is trying to spiritually murder you by leading you astray, by, by corrupting your spiritual core. Torah, again, the application of this in modern society, I'm cautioning you, do not extrapolate. You have a close loved one, they believe differently, they're a negative influence, you shouldn't love them and you should kill them. I'm not saying that. Please be very clear. Not, we're learning Pesukim in the Torah. There are lessons that we can extract. That's not, that's not one of them. The same thing is to, to drag, to, to pull someone in. Whoever brought this water, thank you very much. Who, who's the mysterious, mystery person? Oh, Carol, thank you so much. A little southern New Orleans uh, <laughs> hospitality. Thank you very much. Amen. Good. Um, does that mean Avram should have killed his father? Does that mean Avram should have killed his father? Right. In a circumstance like that, after Matan Torah, would a person have to kill? Well, we'll see in a moment that it's not, you, it's not like Kenayim Pogenbo. He says, come worship the idol, and then you go grab the kitchen knife. It, there is a process that has to take place. And, and we'll see the process. It, it's a much more lenient process that's no, that, than, than normal. But there is a, a uh, based-in process. So there's... Just like other capital punishments, this one too has to go through Basin. We'll see again, it's more lenient, but, uh, but it has to go through Basin. So, Lo Savelo Rashi tells us that uh, even though normally, even though normally we are encouraged to love everybody, this is someone who's undeserving of our love. Because if we have that sense of love and closeness, again, we remain vulnerable, it's going to come back to hurt us. Says Rashi, Lo Sishmai love. If you're going to take pity on him, again, you'll be vulnerable. Those upon whom we take pity, we become vulnerable to, to draw close to, to connect with. And if the person is in a state where they're vulnerable, don't take pity, don't save them. Normally, you're not allowed to stand idly by while another person is at risk. But this individual turned the other way. Don't help them. Don't intercede. Don't try to prove their innocence. Don't argue on their behalf. And don't conceal means that if there is a trial where they're being accused of being a Mesa Sumediach and you have evidence for their guilt, do not remain silent. Don't cover it up. 
because the, there's such a threat. It's an unbelievably powerful threat. Rather, harog targenu and yetsim based in zaka yechziru luchova yetsim based in chayev al tachzirei luschus. This is an unusual halacha. Mishnah Sanhedrin tells us that normally we will will reopen a case over and over again in order to exonerate the person. We don't reopen the case in order to try to find them guilty. If they were exonerated, we, we follow through on their exoneration. But we'll reopen a case in order to prove their innocence. Here, Rashi's quoting is the halacha, is the opposite. That if they were exonerated, if they were proven innocent, but someone says, I now have information for their guilt, then we reopen it. Because that's the threat the Mesa Sumediach is, we have to get rid of them. And if they left based in Chayev, if we found them guilty and somebody says, I have information to prove their innocence, we say, I'm sorry, it's too late. The case is closed. We are strict in both directions in order to avoid the innocence because so dangerous, so threatening is the Mesa Sumediach that the rules that govern based in proceedings change and, uh, and we are, we're much stricter in order to try to maintain their guilt. Yes? Can you assume that there was some attempt to try to sway the person in the other direction? It just seems that's a good question. It seems like the Mises Mediach has made up their mind. You know, we're talking about the, the leader of a movement. We're talking about a person who himself has subscribed to idolatry. And they're not looking to you to learn or for direction. They're not open. They're coming to sway you. So there's no room for leniency. There's no room for tolerance. Because that person is, in fact, so incredibly, so incredibly threatening. So, and Yad Chatiya Bobari Shona says, Rashi Mitzvah Biyad Hanisas Lamiso. There is uh, the person who was the victim of, of being seduced has the mitzvah to be the first one to carry out the capital punishment against the Mesas and Mediach. And if the victim doesn't do it, then the rest of the people has to step forward to, uh, to step up. Okay? This is the way Rashi interprets all of these psukim. And this is the Pashib Shat. This is the Pashib Shat. Um, if you look at the Svarna, Volotishma Ilav, don't listen to him. Rashi interpreted all of these different uh, synonyms. Don't love him. I mean, Rashi interpreted them legally. All of the halachas that apply to a fellow Jew, love a fellow Jew, help a fellow Jew, don't stand idly by, when their life is threatened, a fellow Jew, try to prove the innocence of a fellow Jew. All of these halachas that apply to a fellow Jew, Rashi interpreted this Pasuk test to say that the Mises and is an exception. He's forfeited his right to your. He's forfeited the right to your um, to your pity, to your help, to your interceding on his behalf. The uh, Svarna says Lo love a little more literally. If you listen to him, you're going to be vulnerable to him. And if you have a suffix, if you have any doubt, maybe he's a decent person, maybe she's a good person, maybe I could bring her back. You're not going to bring her back, she's going to bring you back. It's a lack of amuna on your part, that there's zero tolerance. There is a zero tolerance for the person who is a negative influence on this level, because there's too much risk. There's just way too much at stake that it cannot be, it cannot be risked. The Balaturim has a fascinating interpretation. Go back to Pasuk Zayin in the beginning. And the Balaturim says, Ki yisischa rashi tevos begematria b'yichud. Remez l'yichud minatora. Where is the seduction? Yichud. When a person violates the prohibition of being alone. 
you're not allowed to, uh, a man is not allowed to be alone with a woman or a woman with a man. They're not related. There's a lot of details that govern this. If the door is open, by love be'ir, if a spouse is in the city, someone could walk in, they have the key. If there are multiple, you know, how many men, how many women. But uh, the laws of Yichud are very powerful, very important laws that are in place to protect us. When are we most vulnerable to persuasion? When are we most vulnerable to giving in to peer pressure? When are we most vulnerable to making choices that we don't want to make, but the temptation drives us to make? Says uh, the Balaturim, Ki Yisischa, when the Mesis Mediach most powerful, Yichud, when the violation of, of Yichud. Okay, so what we saw so far is a strict interpretation. Rashi, Sforno, we saw the Ibn Ezra, the Balaturim, that the Mesus Mediach is a individual the Mesus Medech is a category of those who themselves worship idols and they come and they try to influence you. And therefore we have all of these uh, rules, a full six mitzvahs. There are six mitzvahs that come out of our parsha devoted to this individual. His treatment is among the most severe in the entire Torah. Once he's, once he's uh, convicted, he gets capital punishment, stoning, and uh, he has different rules than all the other criminals of the Torah. Even other capital crimes, his rules are stricter. Right? We said some of them. What are they? Usually the testimony of witnesses who were planted without the knowledge of the criminal were unseen by him is like, unacceptable. It's mandatory that witnesses have to have warned the criminal of the exact punishment he's going to receive. The Gemara Sanhedrin says, though, that when it comes to the Mesas and Mediach, the witnesses could be hiding. He doesn't have to be aware of their presence. Words, normally, for me to be convicted of a capital punishment, of a capital crime and get capital punishment, I have to have been warned by witnesses. I have to know there are people watching me and do it anyway. Here, the Mesas of Mediach can be convicted, tried, convicted, and carry out capital punishment on him or her, even without his awareness that the witnesses were watching. As you see, that's a great leniency. It makes it much, more, much easier to convict the Mesus Mediach. In all of the circumstances, if one is tried in a capital case and found innocent, as we said, someone later comes and says, I have uh, information, we don't reopen, we protect the defendant. However, if the opposite, they've been proven guilty and someone says, I have information for their innocence, we reopen, we, uh, I'm sorry, we reopen the case. Here, the Mesus Mediach, it's the opposite. We only reopen it to find them guilty, we'll not reopen the case to find them innocent. Why? Because the Mesus Mediach is such a threat that if there's a hint, if there's a, a, a shemetz of the fact that he might be guilty, that's what we conclude. We don't want to hear the arguments for his innocence. If we have arguments for his guilt, that's what we embrace. The arguments for his guilt. Which you're right. Is, 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 uh, it's unusual. Yeah, it is. Because we, we don't know the motivation as to how he became what he became. So how is it like, um, I hate to say it's fair that he's, He's a done person before, you know, anything happens. We're not interested. That's a liberal, modern, you know, he he grew up, his mother was mean to him, he was in a bad neighborhood, he became a (laughs) Mesus and Mediach. We should excuse him, we should forgive him, we should tolerate him, we should rehabilitate him, we should permit him to be in our presence. And it's not to say that we shouldn't take pity. We should intercede in their youth to make sure that people aren't led astray and on a path where they become dangerous. But if somebody has a gun to your head and wants to kill you, do you say, I'm going to let myself die because, look, his mother was mean to him. His, he grew up in the shadow of his older brother. He had a tough upbringing. His father beat him. He was underprivileged. So he's got a gun. He could kill me because Nebuchadnezzar, it's not his fault. He's a murderer. He grew up in the inner city. Or are you going to take out a gun and shoot him? Are you going to take out handcuffs and arrest him? Are you going to call 911 and get the police to come take him? 
So again, the Mesus Medich represents the spiritual threat that's commensurate with a physical threat. They have a spiritual gun to your head and you run the risk of spiritually murdering you, of corrupting your soul to the extent that you are spiritually, you become spiritually hollow, that you forfeited your entire neshama in this world because you're worshipping idolatry, you've, you've neglected Hashem, you pursue foreign gods. That is such a dangerous threat that that's why we have these much stricter rules. The Yahatlarecha Kamocha doesn't apply to him. Don't help him. If somebody's trying to kill him, don't intercede. If all the rules that normally apply to a fellow Jew do not apply to this Mesis Umeidiach. So the simple understanding is that this is an individual. He is in fact such a such a threat. But now let's take a look at the Orachaim. That's what I really wanted to study with you, because the Orachaim goes through each of these Pesukim, as he does elsewhere. He does in the Torah elsewhere, where he uh he interprets the psukim, not literally, but he interprets them in a way which is which is very spiritually powerfully uplifting. Says the Orachim, Parsha Zuremes, Hashem Hara Gedola Bofanei Hasasa Habala Adam Meatzmo LaHatosa Miderach Hatov Hayasher. This Mesas Meidiach says the Orachim is not somebody who moves on to Montoya Circle, joins BRS, sits in you know. By the way, we had a Mesas Meidiach. We had a Mesas Meidiach. I, uh, a person had come to speak to me. This happened two, three years ago. A person came to speak to me and was um, talking to me about Jesus. And of course, I rejected the conversation. When I came to Shul that Shabbos morning at Hashkama, he was there with a talus and a yarmulke and davening in Hashkama minion. And I said to him, he said, I just want to daven. You know, I want to be part of the Jewish people and do what the Jewish people do. I asked him, so I clarified his belief, and he believed in Jesus. He wanted to be an observant Jew because Jesus was an observant Jew. So he wanted to live here, and he was having conversations with people. So I threw him out of the shul. I got the guard, and we threw him out of the shul. That's a Mesa's and His whole purpose was to come to the minion in our shul, to develop relationships, to meet people, and to try to proselytize. That's a Mesa's and Again, we didn't take him to the parking lot and stone him. I'm not, let's be clear. But, uh, but we had him removed from the premises. We had him removed from the premises. So there's, there's the literal Mesus and Meidiach. But the Orachayim says, you know what the other Mesus and Meidiach is? The Yetzir Hara. And that's what the Torah is talking to. Don't look for the other person, the Jews for Jesus, who comes to Hashkamim in Yenapokraton Synagogue. Don't look for that neighbor who's going to try to lead you astray. The Mesus and Meidiach the seductress is our own Yetzir Hara. And then he goes through each of these psukim and the rules and interprets it through that lens. Let's read it inside. There's a mesiv, there's a seductress, a temptress that is with man from the day we enter the world. Ka'omram. It can be. How do you say it in the male? Seductor. Tempter? Oh, is that true? No, I didn't mean to. Okay. I don't know. Grammatically, I thought it was grammatic. Is there a is there a word seductor and tempter? Yeah. Okay. I apologize. Did not mean to suggest. Wow. I did not mean to suggest that it is going to be a woman. All along, I described the Mesa's Medir as a man. Okay. The seductor or tempter. I apologize. And it's been, the Gemara in Sanhedrin says in the Pasuk, the Pesach Chatas Rovets, Umesich Adam Lahara. Right? What do we say? Adam, 
Nefesh Adam Rami Urav. What's the pasuk? So the, the, we are born with this. We have an animal instinct and a godly spirit. We've spoken about this many, many times. We live in two dimensions simultaneously. This is really what Kashrus is about. Also, it's about the triumph of the neshama over the over the the nefesh Bahamas, as the uh, Balatanya, as the Alter Rebbe would describe it. But the truth is, it's pervasive to Jewish philosophy and thought. The Kuzari, everyone talks about it. That we have the human being has a great amount in common with an animal. We have an animal impulse and an animal instinct and an animal drive, an animalistic desire. But then we also have a Tzalem Elohim. We have a godly soul. We have the capacity to transcend. We have the capacity to be disciplined. We have the capacity to be in control. Not, the Balatanya says, others say the Tzalem Elohim should slaughter the animal soul. For example, Rav Hirsch says that's the basis of all of Korbanos. Why do we bring Korbanos? It wasn't just some barbaric act to sacrifice animals. The idea was a person would say to the Almighty, when I sacrifice this animal, I am symbolically sacrificing the animal in me. I'm slaughtering the animal in me. I'm burning its fats means I'm burning my indulgences. I'm, uh, the blood, my passions. Rav Hirsch goes through all of Karbanos and sees the... So, but the Balatanya disagrees. The Balatanya says the goal is not for the nefesh, for the tzel melokim, to destroy the, uh, the uh, animal instinct, it's to harness it. Right? That's why eating, eating, you embrace the desire to eat, but you turn it into uh, eating, uh, the beautiful act of eating of Lekavet Shabbos Kedesh, beautiful act of eating of Achnas Asorchem. You're not trying to destroy the desire to eat, you're trying to embrace it, but harness it. It's a very different perspective. You're trying to elevate it. And that's... Uh, you try the blessings, you're elevating it, and so on. Yes? Who says to destroy? Who's the one who said to destroy? Rafersh. He says you're destroying. Balatanya says you're harnessing. So anyway, so that's what the uh, Orachayim HaKadosh says. We have this Yetzirah, we have this animal instinct, this animal impulse inside of us. It's this voice, this Yetzirah. It's Mesus Mediach. It says, eat that chocolate cake. It says, look at that uh, image. Share that juicy Lashon Hara. It's not so bad. Everybody's doing it. It's okay. Lightning won't strike. Nothing bad is going to happen. It's a mesis mediach within ourselves all the time. Od yulad ba'adam koach mesis base. So the first level of the mesich, says the Orachayim, is this yetzahara, which is present in us from our youth. The second level, be'emtsaus ha'avera, im'avara mitzvah achas tolid bo'koach ha'chafetz rasha. It's unbelievable. He says, the second is, if you violated an avera, you gave in to that voice and you've now violated something, that plants a seed within you that tempts you to do more. So first there's a voice that says, eat some chocolate cake, nothing's going to happen to you. But then there's a second voice, when you ate the first piece of chocolate cake and you didn't balloon, you still fit in your clothing, now there's a new voice which says, you see, you ate chocolate cake, nothing so terrible happens. It's not so bad. You could afford to eat a little more. Like the nachash. You look, you touched it, nothing happened, now you could eat it. And that's what Chazal said in Pirkei Avos in the fourth chapter. When you do one Avera, it, it, it leads to another. The Orachayim doesn't quote it, but the Gemara says, you know, the first time, you know, we, we have that which is forbidden to us. 
we're afraid of it, we avoid it, we protect ourselves from it, even when we're tempted by it. And the first time that we do it, we're riddled by guilt, and we feel horrible afterwards, and so on. By the second, third, fourth time we do it, says the Gemara, Nasala Keheter. Ah, now it's totally part of your repertoire. Second nature, it's part of your repertoire, becomes part of your habit. You went from being so hesitant, you avoided it, you felt guilty from it, you, you, and now, Nasala Keheter. So that Nasala Keheter plants within us a second mesis. There was the mesis of the Yitzhahara altogether. There's a second level mesis, says the Orachayim, of the fact that Nasala Keheter, you've done something, you didn't drop dead as a result, and now you Nasala Keheter, you think, okay, that's a big deal, I speak Lashon all the time, nothing's so bad, everybody does it. Nasala Keheter becomes mutter. It depends on how controlled you are. <coughs> You, you could, but the nature of man is that the more that we allow ourselves to violate something we shouldn't be doing, the more we're not even thinking about it anymore, the more nasala kahater. And that's why the Rachaim says, Makam Omdim, the Sanhedrin, that a person who's conquered about tshuva means that if you've been perfect since your youth, eh, big deal. You're a tzadik gomor. You never failed. You never fell down. If you fell down and got back up, Oh, you're even better than the Tzad Gomor. Because it's so hard, you overcame the Nasala Keheter. You overcame the fact that it became second nature. And you decided to change. That puts you at an even higher level than the Tzad Gomor. But he continues with this interpretation. Says is a third level. And that is when you become so desensitized, so desensitized to the mistakes, to the wrongness of your ways, you actually, um, you actually contaminate your very soul. So that there's not some extraneous voice that's tempting you. Your inner intrinsic soul becomes cont- contaminated. And he likens it to the Neshama Yisera. It's the inverse, the opposite of a Neshama Yisera. Just like on Shabbos, it's Machlokas about Yantif, but you get a Neshama Yisera, your soul is expanded. That's why you can eat more, your stomach's also expanded. <laughs> you, have, you sense a greater spirituality in a Neshama Yisera. Just like we're capable of having a Neshama Yisera, so too you're capable of having a Yitzhahara Yisera. So too you've contaminated your very soul. You've expanded the Yitzhahara within your soul. Od Yusuf means a gather dalad. There's a fourth level. V'huli ikanis nafsho begeder acher she'en lamala mimena v'isha nafsho tishchaber v'tishlatef im chelik ra u'tishavelo b'tova b'tiva v'zeu gemar hechlet nafsho adam lachpor be'ikar v'lavad avodazara. And the fourth level is when you're utterly corrupt, when you just see yourself as bad, when you've given in to the dark side. What you what we'd call you've given in to the dark side. V'uma sheremes ba'omro ki yisischa achicha uchelik ra. So now he says, these are the different um, threats that the Torah delineated. It said, Who is Achicha? Achicha is your Yetzirah you were born with since we came to this world. That's why it says, Ben Imecha, the son of your mother. The Achicha. You were born, your Yetzirah Tov, but don't forget that since you left your mother's womb, not only have you had the Yetzirah Tov, but you've also had the Yetzirah not only did you have the Tel Elokim, but the animal instinct was also born. The desire, temptation was also born. Neschavin lo dia, minayin ba, ach letzara, ba'omar beni mecha, 
שאין כוחי שיוכבה שגורמה תערוב עשרה במקר הקדושה בחטא הראשון. And where does Yitzhahara come from? Who's the Ben Imecha? Who is the Aim Kochai? Who is all of our mother? Says the Orchaim, Chava. When Chava, you'll excuse me, seduced Adam <laughs> to taste from the uh, Eitzadas, until then the Eitzahara was external to man. That's why man walked around the garden naked, totally unaware of the nakedness. Only once they tasted of the Eitzadas did the Eitzahara become internal to the person. That's why the very first thing, immediately after eating of the Eitzadas, they say, whoa, did you feel that breeze? It's a little cool in here. They realize they're naked. Hashem has to close them. All of a sudden there's a concept of Yetzirah, of modesty, of awareness. So the Orachim says, it says, Achicha ben Imecha. Who's the Imecha? Im Kochai? It's the brother of, from your mother. It's the Yetzirah that we got thanks to Chava. Uchenegid geder beishu mesis hanolad mecheta adam keniskar. And the second level, which was that once you sin, Nasala Kaheter, Omer, Amar im bincha ubitecha, toldos masim raim shagamim nikraim banim zarim. It says your son or your daughter. It means your offspring, the offspring of your bad decision. What's the offspring of your bad decision? That now it's part of your repertoire, now it's part of your habit. What was the third level? The third level we said was the opposite of the Nisham Yisera. You've expanded the Yetzir Hara. That's what it says. Your wife, the closeness of intimacy. That which is closest to you, your neshama has become contaminated. And Keneged Geder Dalid, the fourth level, which was when you've gone to the dark side altogether, that was Re'acha Asher Kenafshecha. Re'acha Asher Kenafshecha. She'ein Geder Bein Shneim, Chelakara Venafsha Bechina Achas. Where the Ra has entered your very neshama. You've gone entirely to the dark side. And that's what the Torah is telling us. And what does this Yetzahara say? It's beautiful, the Archaim continues now. Right, what does the Pasik say? It says, Nelcha Vinavda Elohim Acherim. Come, let's go. Perish. Loshomer Beferish Nelcha Navda. Elomer Dvaram Misusarim. The Tachlis Darvulomar Nelcha Navda. It doesn't explicitly say, Come, let us worship. What it says are other things that just bring down your guard, other things that tempt you. Gam Yarim Bemamaro Lomar Nelcha Navda Shakolo Atmo Imo. What does it say? Let us go. Come with me. What does that suggest? Says the Orachayim. Who's tempting you? Not the Yetzirah who's all along been bad. It's the Yetzirah Tov saying, No, Nelcha. Let's go. I've never been there before. You've never been there before. So you're tempted to listen because you think it's the Yetzirah Tov. It's the Yetzirah dressed up as the Yetzirah Tov. Right? And we have that also. We are, you know, eat chocolate cake because you, you didn't need a lot and you need energy to learn better. So you, sometimes we make mistakes and the worst thing is we even convince ourselves not only is it not Navero, we convince ourselves it's a mitzvah. The Yetzirah dresses up like the Yetzirah Tov. Nilchav Na'avda. I was never there. You were never there. Come, let's do it together. Says the Orachayim. Asher lo yadata. Perish. Babatayna neged mashan ischai v'adam ikabal satora. Shalola avod Elohim acherim. The Orachayim goes on. We're out of time. But you should see each example. I'll just take you to the last one. 
because the Torah says Los Achos, Los Achasel, Los Hashma, right? And the Orachim goes through each one of these and, and describes how it applies to the Yetzahara, that the Mesus of Mediach is this internal voice, not this external voice. Again, beautiful Orachim, he goes through every one. But what happens when you get to the one about you should kill him? How do you kill your Yetzahara? Uskaltem ba'avanim ba'meis, al-derech omram b'zohar, Shema Yisrael yesh ba'hei avanim shebos soklim. What do you, how do you kill Ba'avan and Ba'meis? The Zohar teaches that Shema Yisrael, the statement of Shema, the statement of our faith, has five Avanim that you are Sokel, the uh, Sitra Achra Ba'meis. The way you kill the Yitzhahara is through Shema. This is actually, he doesn't reference it here, but there's a Gemara in Brachos. It says that if you're tempted by the Yitzhahara, what should you do? First thing you do is say Shema. If you're still tempted, it doesn't work, you learn Torah. You're still tempted and it doesn't work. You think of the day of death. You think of mortality. And these are the ways to overcome the Yitzhar. The Gra said, Rabbos Machshavas Blavish. We have all kinds of a Yitzhar that rises up. Rabbos Machshavas Blavish. Viatzas Hashem Hi. What's Hashem's advice? Sakum. Torah, Kriyashma, Misa. Sakum. Torah, Kriyashma, Misa. You're tempted by the Yitzhar. This is what you should do. So that's the, says the Yorachayim, Visakalta ba'avanim v'meis, throw stones at it and kill it, is all talking to the Yetzirah. Kill the Yetzirah by saying Shema, by learning Torah, by thinking about the Yom Amisa. So we studied the section of the Mesa Zumediach, the seductor and the tempter, who tried to lure us to foreign values and foreign lifestyle. We saw Rashi's interpretation, this is an actual person, but the beautiful interpretation of the Yorachayim that in fact this is an inner voice the Yitzhahara within each and every one of us.